I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another edition of the HN Mailbag Podcast. We are recording uh, on Wednesday, May the 13th, a little bit after noon, uh, 12 o'clock noon. Um, appreciate the questions as always. And uh, as I've said on, on these podcasts in the past, it's interesting that uh, some weeks I get a lot on Twitter and not as many on the message board and more on Facebook. And, you know, just kind of it's a cyclical thing and uh today seems to be more message board oriented only had three on twitter and i think five on facebook so a little bit more on the message boards which which makes sense i think i put that up yesterday and i'm a little tardy i think i don't think i posted uh, on twitter or facebook until uh this morning wednesday may the 13th almost getting towards halfway through may here and uh I noticed Governor Reynolds is opening up more parts of Iowa, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if that affects uh, high school sports in the state and uh, college sports in the state. And if, we, if we're moving towards um, reopening more and more things here uh, with the pandemic, with the COVID-19 coronavirus, but... Uh, and I think we have a few questions on that today, and I'll do my best to answer that. But I don't have a lot of answers when it comes to how things will be with uh, college sports moving forward. But uh, I will take all comers today, and um, let's look here. Let's hit Twitter first today. I think that's probably uh, the best route. I'll do social media, I'll do Twitter, and then Facebook, and then we'll, we'll finish up with uh, the questions on the Hawkeye Nation message boards where we have closed down the hardcore COVID-19 thread that was on our basketball board. This got way too partisan and political and social issue oriented, and that's just not what I want on the Hawkeye Nation website. There are other places to discuss that stuff, and certainly we will continue to, on our football board, there's a thread titled, I think it's, Will Football Return in the Fall? And we'll discuss some things as the virus uh, topics as they relate to uh, sports, particularly Hawkeye sports. But I am done with political talk on our board. Uh, I see that crap on social media. 
and Facebook, Twitter, uh, all other avenues. So there are plenty of places for you guys to discuss that stuff. Let's have our little sanctuary on HN for talking about sports. Uh, I certainly feel uh, politics, religion, things like that can be discussed, but not on our message. Hopefully you guys understand that. If you don't, I'm sorry, but that's it. So Trevor Roach, Trevor Roach, R-O-E-H-L-K, at Rohawk on Twitter asked, if the Big Ten were to go back to eight conference games and allowed Iowa to schedule another Power Five team, who would you like to see Iowa play? Would you like to see traditional home-and-home series or neutral site games? I kind of would like a rotation. Trevor, but I could also see something <clears throat> with, uh, you know, more of a home and home thing or neutral site. I think Chicago is a great resource for Iowa in terms of the fan base there uh, and the facilities there where you can play, whether it be Soldier Field or one of the baseball fields. I prefer Soldier Field. I've covered a couple games there, both of the Northern Illinois games there when Iowa played, and I think. You know, getting a chance to play somebody like Notre Dame there would be awesome. Um, that would be one of the, the, the games I would love to see Iowa play. Iowa-Notre Dame at Soldier Field I think would be great. Both have heavy presence in that city for fans. I think it would be well-received. Um, and, yeah, I, I would like to see that. In terms of uh, another opponent regionally, I would love to see Missouri. Um, that series or, you know, matchup got canceled. Missouri pulled out of that. Uh, years ago, and um, or maybe it was Iowa. I think it was Missouri, though. But anyway, um, I think that's a natural rivalry. It's close for, for both fan bases. If you did a home and home with Missouri, uh, that one I like. I, you know, you you look other places regionally. Colorado would be kind of nice, but um, their program really isn't where. Uh, you know, I, I know I know Nebraska still plays them, and, and I'm, they have a history, so there's something there. Uh, but from a perspective of, of you know potential rivalry-like atmosphere between, I'm not sure. Although I'd love to go to Boulder and cover a game selfishly. Um, and then I, I I don't know. I mean, there's obviously they've played Pittsburgh, they played Syracuse during the Kirk Ferentz era. Do those games do much for you? Yeah, the Pittsburgh ending. Uh, you know, was was fun. Uh, the Syracuse games were eh. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if there's anything really in the SEC that floats your boat. I mean, it'd be great to play, you know, a, you know, one of the top schools, even like an Auburn or somebody like that in uh, Chicago. But Iowa plays a lot of SEC schools in their bowl games. So I'm not sure if there's anything there. Um, maybe something on the West Coast, but Kirk has said he's not going to Arizona or or West anymore. So I really would love to see, I mean, if I had to pick two, uh, I would pick Missouri uh, with a home and home maybe, and then a neutral site game with Notre Dame and Chicago. Those two to me, I think would be the most interesting. Uh, and thank you for the question, Trevor. Uh, Big Mike, I'm bigger Mike, uh, asked, what is the better Casey's breakfast pizza? Pizza, pizza <laughs> excuse me. You got me tongue tied, Mike. Uh, what is the better Casey's breakfast pizza, sausage or bacon? Uh, this one's easy for me, Mike, because I've not had either. Um, and that's probably going to surprise a lot of people. I haven't had, I haven't had breakfast pizza at any 
convenience stores. And that probably makes me weird and puts me in the minority here in Iowa, but that's uh, kind of where I'm at. Um, uh, I, I'm kind of one that I like to cook breakfast at home. Uh, and if I'm on the, and, or, uh, you know, if I, there are mornings where I'll just have some yogurt with some berries in it or some cereal, or I'll cook up my own eggs. But, uh, yeah, I'm not much of an eat out breakfast person. Uh, I, my wife will tell you that I'm uh, cheap. I like to call it frugal, but I think eating breakfast out is the biggest ripoff there is in, uh, in eating in restaurants, to be honest with you, I think, or eating out. I think that stuff is the most overpriced. You can get your best value being at home and make yourself a big old breakfast. So thanks for the question, Mike. Sorry, I couldn't answer your question. Um, Jake Markham at jmarkham1337 asks, over under 25 wins for men's basketball, over under nine wins for football. How does women's basketball get a fourth straight Big Ten player of the year? And if so, who? All right, let's tackle these in order here. 25 wins for the men's basketball team. I think that would be over 25 wins. We'll put them at 26, and I believe they play 20 or 31 games, roughly. So that would put them at 26 and 5, if my remedial math skills are accurate all. I'm going to go under the 25. As good as I think Iowa will be, it's really hard to put together seasons like that where you win, uh, you know, 26 of 30 games. So I will go under the 25. I think that's, I think definitely mid-20s is possible. I would say I would go probably in the 23, 24 range, though, if I were gambling my own money. Over under nine wins for football. I am going to go under that. Uh, in large part because of the difficulty of Iowa's schedule this year, uh, road games at Minnesota, Penn State, at Purdue, at Ohio State, um, tough home games with uh, Iowa State and Wisconsin, uh, just a tough schedule this year. Uh, I think some of the teams that were down last year that Iowa faced will be a little bit better. Uh, and the good teams will still be good. So pretty tough schedule. Certainly think nine wins is possible. I would probably go in the seven or eight range, but uh, with the pandemic and not really knowing what type of season we're going to have or what type of uh, development time Iowa's going to have, I think that's one of the things that's hard to predict right now because Iowa is a developmental program and missing all of spring. I just wonder how that's going to affect them. And I think they're are probably other teams that are in a little bit better position in terms of having experience, particularly at quarterback. So I will go under on both of those numbers. So call me a hater. Does Iowa basketball get a fourth straight big 10 player of the year? Um, that's going to be tough. If I had to pick one, it would be uh, Monica Sanano. Sanano, excuse me. It's not a, not an easy name to spell or say, but Monica Sanano, um, I think really showed uh, this past season, her first really getting significant playing time after playing behind Megan Gustafson, uh, that she really has the potential to be a dominant player. Uh, she kind of conceded, and rightfully so, to Kathleen Doyle uh, and Mackenzie Meyer a little bit, the two seniors on the team last year. But uh, I think she has a chance to be a really, really special player. Also looking forward to seeing Caitlin Clark come in. Um, but I think there's a pretty good Iowa women's basketball program right now. I, I think there's potential for a step back. Obviously, the last two seasons, uh, last three seasons have been really good. Um, and you can see, could possibly see a step back from that a little bit, but I wouldn't expect much of one. So thank you for the question, Jake. I appreciate it. 
let's uh that looks like it from twitter let's go to facebook trying to make this as smooth as possible here jake van ginkle asked do you think that if there are some schools who don't have football this fall college football will go ahead and still start the season on time yeah, Jake, I, I talked about this at the at the top of the pod. It's um it's so hard right now. We're like I said, it's May 13th. I know I've seen I, I may write a write a column about this too, because it's I get it. I get why people are trying to predict what's gonna happen. We're so anxious and excited to see live sports come back. You know, college football, especially for us here in Iowa City and you know, and and parts of the country that are like this college football is such a fabric of our lives that we want it to come back. But I just, I think predicting what's going to happen three months out is just really hard to do. It's hard to do a month from now. Who knows where things are going to be from a month from now? Um, You know, talking about governor Reynolds opening things back up here. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if, you know, if we're able to contain things and, you know, it, we show progress here as we're going forward, and maybe that, you know, encourages or uh, leads people to do more things and football and the colleges opening and things like that. Um, but you've got so many things. You've got the NCAA saying, you know, Mark Emmert saying there's not going to be college sports without students on campus and the campus is opening back up. And then you've got, you know, uh, the Pac-12 commissioner saying he expects there to be no delay and football starting on time with no no obstacles at all, maybe not obstacles, but no delays at all. Um, and then you just you hear different people saying different things all over the country. And it just is really um, it's overwhelming. It's hard to, to kind of unknow. But I, I think what we're seeing is people really want answers and there aren't answers yet. So I think to answer your question, Jake, we just have to wait and see. It's going to be awkward. I think it would be very awkward to start, you know, some, you know, have a staggered football season where some teams are playing right away and some people's seasons are pushed later. Uh, You have one conference playing. um, What are they playing for? Uh, Is there a national championship? If one, you know, one of the power fives isn't playing, is that really a national? I mean, there's just so many things that are, left unanswered that we don't have answers to. And the only thing that are going to, the only thing that's going to answer those questions is time. What, what happens over time and what happens with this virus and, you know, what, 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 um, you know, how things progress. It's, it's, uh, it's called a novel virus uh, for, for a reason. We, we haven't been through this before and we kind of have to see how things shake out, but thanks for the question, Jake. I may have had another question similar, similar to that. Um, uh, on the message board, but we'll see when we get there. Justin, Justin Sugg on the Hawkeye Nation Facebook page asks, what could you explain the recruiting relationship Iowa has with TJ Bowlers? The more I read, the more I see an Oliver Martin Michigan scenario playing out, albeit to Nebraska or Wisconsin this time. Am I missing something? Yeah, I've gotten this question before on this podcast and uh, have, you know, talked about it in, in other uh, places as well, Justin, uh, you know, on uh, KGYM, been asked this kind of when things have transpired and TJ released his top six. TJ Bowlers is the defensive end. Uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of uh, the rub here. Is he a defensive end? Is he an outside linebacker? 
Um, uh, but he plays for Clear Creek Amanda High School in Tiffin, Iowa. His dad, Trevor Bowlers, was a fullback during uh, for Hayden Fry during the, the end of the Hayden Fry era. Um, but uh, Iowa is not in his top six. And the, and the two parties kind of se- separated or went their separate ways uh, in the winter, December, January area. Um, I had written about TJ not hearing from Iowa for a while. Uh, and he was miffed by that, and then Iowa got in contact with him, and then they were supposed to go watch him play basketball, and then the snowstorm canceled the basketball game, and they didn't get out to see him, and things just kind of uh, deteriorated from there, and I just think probably even at that point, um, it was probably not going to happen. Iowa, uh, the Iowa-TJ Bowler's marriage, and here's my perspective on this. This is just one man's perspective on this. TJ was very close with Reese Morgan. Uh, he was the first guy from Iowa to really build a relationship with TJ. TJ told me, you know, Reese would go out to practice. And even when they couldn't talk, he would wave and make sure, you know, there was a connection there. And they just really got along really well. Reese did a good job just getting to know the family and getting to know TJ. Uh, when Reese retired, I just don't think that relationship and that bond continued the same way. And there were other coaching staffs and other relationships that TJ had that were stronger than what he had with Iowa at that point. And I just never think, I don't think Iowa caught up. And now there's some other factors here. And I've talked to TJ and he said, you know, playing in a four, three or a three, four, isn't going to decide things for him. Um, but I think there is a part of him that, that is intrigued by playing. And he told me this by playing outside linebacker in a three, four. Um, but he said he was still open to playing the four, three. I haven't talked to him in a while. and Maybe things have, uh, have advanced from there to the point where he sees himself more in a three, four now. Um, but I don't think that was the thing that determined what happened with Iowa. I think it was about the relationship and there just wasn't a strong relationship there between TJ and Iowa. Um, and for whatever reason, um, it just never kind of grew. And, and that's kind of a timing thing. Who knows if Reese Morgan's still around, maybe TJ is at Iowa, but um, that's an if, and it really doesn't matter because it's not a, a, a thing that happened. So you just kind of have to move on from there. So hopefully that asked your, answered your question a little bit, Justin. Uh, John Richardson asks, any update in Peyton Manziel? Has he found a transfer school yet? Any chance he stays through the spring summer to compete with Beatrice? Uh, sorry you missed this, John, but Peyton uh, entered the transfer portal uh, back in the win- winter and transferred to Al- Abilene, Texas Christian, closer to his home. Uh, he is a native of Texas, so he is no longer with the Iowa program. And we wish Peyton well. Uh, good kid. Um, just didn't get a chance at Iowa. He was behind Nate Stanley. Um, and last year fell behind Peyton, or uh, excuse me, fell, fell behind Spencer Petrus for the backup to Stanley. I think he saw the writing on the wall and uh, wanted to go somewhere and play. And uh, he's a graduate transfer, so he'll be able to play. Or, or that's a step down to um, levels. So he, he would be able to play right away anyway. Um, but he'll have uh, two years of eligibility left at Abilene Christian. So we wish Peyton the best of luck. Uh, Kenneth Anderson asked, if you had the opportunity to interview Niall Kinnick back in the day, what would you ask him? This could be while in school, after the Heisman, or after he graduated. That's a, that's a really interesting question, Kenneth. And I did look at this a little bit earlier, but haven't given it a ton of thought. I think I would have asked Niall, um, what he would want 
college football to be in the future, kind of what, how he felt it fit in. Because there are times where I think uh, the sport um, needs some guidance at times and gets caught off, you know, goes off the rails sometimes and just isn't as good as it could be. And as great as it is, I, I think he would have some really good insight to that because he kept college football and athletics in perspective. Yes, it's a lot different time now. Um, but I would have just kind of asked him how he would would guide college football through the future. So that's kind of my off the top of my head answer. Maybe I would have a different answer if I had uh, more time to think about it or uh, could go in depth. But there would be so many topics. I'd love to have dinner with Niall Kinnick and go over a bunch of topics. Uh, and, uh, I guess you didn't ask what what. Uh, I guess you didn't ask what, just one question. So, but that would be the one that, that stood out to me. Um, just kind of where he saw college football going and, um, you know, how he saw the, the student athlete, uh, vision for the future. So maybe not the greatest answer, but one I, <laughs> the one I can come up with. Kenneth. So thank you for the question. I really appreciate it. Mark Crawford, a basketball question. Any news from Garza? And I think I've gotten this one on the message board as well. Hoping he returns could give, could be a special season next year with all the new talent. Medical Richards coming back as well. I agree with that, Mark. Nothing new on Luca other than we talked to Fran, I believe almost two weeks ago now, and Luca had already been back and was ending his 14 day quarantine. So he's had the last two weeks kind of to be free and work out here in Iowa City. Um, and the fact that he's back in Iowa City, I think, is a good sign for him returning. I think from the jump and talking to Luca uh, and just getting a feel for where he stood, I think he's going to need some guarantees uh, before coming out in this pandemic. And it's canceling, you know, the combine and making, you know, personal workouts and, and meeting with teams impossible face to face. I just think the way the landscape is now with this pandemic, that a lot of things are working uh, in the favor of him going back to school. Um, but who knows? It's hard. Again, it's hard to predict what's going to happen in the future. As far as I know, June 3rd is still the date to pull out of the draft, but there's also a chance that the draft gets pushed back. I think we're going to know a lot here in the next couple of weeks with things, um, how things are going to go in the NBA and maybe with the draft and the, and the process, the evaluation process. But I would say it's pretty likely that Luca comes back next year. I think that was his plan unless he heard, uh, got a guarantee uh, from the NBA that he would be on a roster. So hopefully that answers your question, Mark. Um, really no definitive answer on that right now. I think we're kind of still, uh, in the same position that we have been talking about this in the last month or so. But as time goes by, I think the, the chances are even, you know, that things are closed and, and Luca's unable to meet with teams. Uh, I think that raises the chances even more that he comes back to Iowa. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
All righty. So that wraps up the Facebook and that wraps up uh, Twitter, social media. So now let's go to the Hawkeye Nation message boards. And we will start in the football forum with Holmes. After covering Iowa football for 20 plus years under Kirk Ferentz, how would you describe to the outside what Iowa is looking for in its quarterback? They've had success with Banks, Chandler, Tate, Stanzi, Beathard, and Stanley. Uh, some with some similarities, but as a collection, they are vastly different in style. Who will Petrus most resemble? I'll start with that last part of your question first, Holmes. Uh, he will remind you most of Stanley, not only because of recency bias, but uh, I think he is the most um, – Stanley is the best comp for him just in terms of size, arm strength, uh, limited uh, running ability. Um, so – I would say Petrus will run, remind you most of Stanley. They're not going to be running a lot of read option with, with Spencer Petrus, put it that way. Um, and in terms of what Iowa looks for for a quarterback, um, you know, it's certainly the ability to play in that pro style and make the throws that you need to make. Um, but I think when you look at the 20-plus years, there's just been a progression of, of the game through that. And, and each of these guys has his own story from Banks coming from a junior college where you know, other programs wanted him to switch to wide receiver and I were giving him a chance to play quarterback to Chandler coming in from a Juco as well. I think those early years, they were kind of just looking um, to, uh, to, to, to get guys on the bus uh, when they were rebuilding the program. And then Tate was obviously a nice score uh, from Texas. Stanzi was pretty much an afterthought after Arvell Nelson and even more prominently, Jake Christensen. Uh, I don't think anybody, when they were recruiting those three in the same class, would have said Stanzi was going to be the guy that emerged, but that's what happened. You just never know. And then Bethard, obviously, with the Rudox situation. So even though you're looking at what they may identify in recruiting, you just never know how it's going to play out once they get onto campus. Um, but uh, I think just kind of generally, it's guys that uh, have the ability to throw the football and play in a pro style offense. But I think even more important than that is a guy who can uh, absorb a lot of uh, uh, pretty, I know this is going to drive people nuts and say, what's Iowa do where they have three plays. But uh, in talking to Drew Tate recently for a Hawkeye history podcast, he talked about how thick Iowa's playbook was and how hard it was to learn it. And I've heard that from other quarterbacks you really need to be a guy that can, you know, direct the offense and be able to think on your feet and read defenses. Um, and those are the guys that are successful in this system, guys that can think on the field. And that's not always easy to do. You know, you see a lot of, you know, plenty of programs with the check with me, <clears throat> excuse me, check with me offenses and looking over and, you know, the no huddle stuff and hurry up. A lot of what Iowa does with the quarterback is out there analyzing what they see on the field. And um, that's an important part. So I think, you know, the mental aspect, the cerebral aspect of being the quarterback at Iowa is as important as anything else. Obviously, you need to be able to make the throws. You need to be able to, uh, to physically hold up. But I think the mental part of it is, is something that's really important. That's why Ken O'Keefe often, or mostly, I'm not sure there's a time he has it, he goes out and meets with these guys and works them out and meet, you know, has convert. I, I think he's almost testing them through the process 
just trying to find out what their makeup is like. Cause I think that's really important when you're trying to, you know, in, in terms of what they're trying to identify in the recruiting process and then going back again, you don't know how accurate that's going to be. I think you do your best to try to identify in recruiting. Um, and then once they get on campus, you, it's tough sometimes to, to know how they will, will develop. Uh, thank you for the question, Holmes. We move on to Hawk Nye. Compare the presentations of Barta Ferentz to those of Pollard Campbell and Harris Farley. Okay, so we're talking about in-state in coaches and, and uh, football coaches and athletic directors, directors, excuse me, with regard to plans for playing football in the fall. None of them seem to be relying on talking points from the regents, except to say that none of us really know for sure what is going on. Yeah, this kind of piggybacks the question I have had earlier. Um, I think these guys are doing the best they can to answer questions. And the thing that I've gathered, just like for an outline of what I've been able to gather from, from all of these guys is they're modeling, meaning they're coming up with various scenarios of what could happen um, and trying to do their best to prepare for each of those models. And it's just too hard to know on May 13th what's going to happen in June, July, August, or for the rest of the year for that matter. So you just kind of have to predict the best you can, prepare the best you can with as many models as you can, and then whatever scenario pops up, you adjust to it. So I think they're all kind of in the same boat here, and they're all trying to you, – you hear them focused maybe on um, what they think is going to happen, so then they um, – uh, talk about that when, when they're asked about it publicly, like for instance, Pollard talking about having, you know, games where uh, fans are only in the, in the, in the suites or, you know, talking about uh, seasons in the spring or split seasons or games without fans or testing, all these things come into play. So, um, and I, I saw, I kind of did a, when I saw your question earlier, I, I did some research just on uh, what Harris and Farley said, and they're kind of in the, in a similar situation. Uh, the, the situation at Iowa State and UNI, uh, they've had they've already cut salaries and, and uh, uh, addressed budgetary concerns. Whereas Iowa, when we met get, met with Gary Barta, he said Iowa is in good shape through the end of this fiscal year, which is the end of June before having to deal with their budget. So I've said all along, uh, I, I think the main overarching goal for all these folks is to play a football season in the fiscal year between 2000 and two, 2020 and 21, meaning if they have to play it next spring, as long as they can get that into the budget for the next fiscal year, that's kind of how they're going to approach it, I think. But yeah, I just, I, I think the, the, when you look at different, and I talked about this earlier, when you look at the different ADs and football coaches, they're just giving you the best answers that they can at this time without really knowing. Because it's, we, we just don't know. We have to let this thing play out as much as we want to know if there's going to be a college football season. There's no, what, no way of defini definitively knowing on May 13th. Uh, Hawkeye's Gone Wild asks, besides question mark at quarterback, where is the other question mark? Um, for me, Wild, it's going to be the defensive line. Iowa's had eight starters graduate from or move on from that defensive line uh, in the, after the last two seasons combined. 
Uh, so there's some youth there, inexperience there, question marks there. Uh, Chauncey Golston is really the only known quantity uh, on that defensive line at this point in terms of having experience. I'm really high on Davion Nixon and some other guys on that defensive line. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. Kelvin Bell's got his work cut out for him, especially after missing the spring, to kind of see uh, if there's a possibility um, of, uh, you know, what his, what his options are there and, and kind of sort of sifting and sorting through things. If there's a condensed time for preparing for the season, that can make it a little bit more difficult to find out what's going on there. So defensive line for me uh, would be the next question mark after quarterback, and it may even be ahead of quarterback. Uh, SSC Kelly asks, maybe this is a question you can answer better in f- a future podcast as I know the mind probably isn't on baseball, but what impact do you think the major league baseball decision to shorten the draft to five rounds will have, if any, on Iowa baseball program? I believe the NCAA is giving seniors an extra year of eligibility, but with only 12 scholarships, I'm wondering if any would pay their own way for the extra year of baseball eligibility. With the recruits coming in, more juniors and seniors sticking around, will it create a log jam for playing time? There's certainly that potential, Kelly, and and in the Zoom we had with uh, Gary Barta, he addressed the, uh, you know, the NCAA's decision to allow uh, spring sport athletes of 2020 to come back and have that year of eligibility that was taken away by the pandemic. Um, But he made clear that he has told his spring coaches that they need to fund those uh, kids coming back. Uh, and they, they have extended the roster, obviously. So, you know, if, if you go over the normal roster, then you're fine there. That's not going to be a penalty or there, there aren't any restrictions there. But it's just going to be a matter of, you know, these coaches meeting with these players and saying, okay, here's the situation. And they have to put the pieces of the puzzle together. It may be unfair uh, to put it at their feet, but, uh, you know, Rick Heller is going to have to figure out um, you know, where the, how the scholarship distribution happens and, you know, how much playing time there is for uh, an expanded roster um, and what type of season there's going to be. So kind of have to let that play out a little bit. The draft will be interesting. Even though there's five rounds, obviously there's going to be a ton more players that can sign with teams that just won't be drafted. So I'm wondering, like, we still need to go through that to see, um, you know, if, if an Iowa player is not drafted in the first five rounds, what are his options? Uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a free agency thing. So they can almost look for the best situation, kind of like an undrafted free agent in, uh, in, in college football. You know, they can look for maybe the best situation for them instead of being drafted in whatever round, 20th round and, and kind of locked into a, uh, you know, your rights go to a certain, this can work out in the favor of Iowa. athletes. So we'll kind of have to see, how this thing shakes out. I'm not really sure um, kind of how uh, the free agency aspect will work for players that are undrafted. So kind of a wait and see there. Hopefully I answered that question a little bit though for you, Kelly. Uh, let's go. We've got the basketball board next and then we'll be done with another uh, mailbag podcast. Husky 28 um, types, rights, whatever you want to frame it here on the Alkine Nation message board, food for thought on the Big Ten football season. Maybe they can consider a tournament format, much like the World Cup. 
I think this will be a fun dimension to consider for a shortened season. Divisional round robin would give six games, then seeding for the playoff until the championship game. Start mid-September, end of end on October 30th, then align the playoffs to guarantee three additional games. Worst two teams from each division could play each other to hit the nine-game guarantee chance. It's an interesting idea. That's an interesting idea. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of – I think the, the biggest thing, one of the, the biggest hurdles that um, college athletes and even pro athletes, we've, we've heard this from Major League Baseball uh, and the NBA, where even if they consider playing their seasons, it's, you know, in one – it's in one destination, whether, you know, baseball talks about playing all its games in, in Arizona and Florida or, you know, the NBA playing all their games in one given destination. And I think that's the biggest hurdle right now is containment and travel. And how can you do that? And this, that idea would kind of, you know, make it so you're, um, you're traveling close to home and not going to Rutgers and Maryland and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I think there, that's a, that would be an interesting idea. And it would be interesting to see – kind of all the – because I wish I had access to all these models that they're talking about. I think that would be fun to, to uh, do a poll of, of what fans would want most given the opportunity to vote on some of these models that are out there for, you know, what potential seasons could look like. But uh, that would be an interesting – the World Cup of Big Ten football would be an interesting model. Um, Friowa asks – who comes after Doyle leaves? I know that's an unanswerable question, but I was really, really hoping Wiseman would stay on and take over. Obviously, he could come back when that time comes, but Doyle is 51 and eventually will have to retire. That's huge in my book because we've had the best in the business at Iowa for over 20 years, and I would agree with that for Iowa. And uh, 51 is still pretty young. I'll be 53 next month, and uh, I hopefully I, I have some more years in me. Um, but I get what you're saying here. Overall, the question is, you know, how long he coaches. And uh, I'll give you a few names. Raymond Braithwaite is, uh, excuse me, a guy that's been on the staff and an assistant for Coach Doyle for 15 years. You, don't, you know, you don't hear a lot about assistant strength and conditioning coaches. But uh, he was on the staff from 2002 to 2004 um, and then went to Delaware State, uh, where he was the head strength and conditioning coach uh, for 2005, six, and seven, and then since then has come back and has been on the Iowa staff since then. So really familiar with the program and the coaching staff and Coach Ferentz, and I think he would be an excellent candidate. He is, uh, I believe, early 40s, so uh, possibility there of replacing Coach Doyle. You mentioned Mark Wiseman. Who knows at what point of his career or what stage of his, his career He's at when he decides uh, to move, when Coach Doyle decides to, to ride off into the sunset. So I think Mark Wiseman's a, a possibility. Uh, James Dobson was an assistant here uh, early on. Uh, he, he was an assistant here, actually. Uh, he came in uh, with Coach Doyle originally and was here until 2007. Uh, he was at SMU for a couple of years before that. Uh, but then he left Iowa to become the head strength coach at Nebraska, where he was from 08 to 2014. Uh, and then uh, I believe when Polini was let go, uh, he went to Vanderbilt where he's been since 2015 and uh, respected 
uh, man in the business. I know Coach Doyle has a lot of respect for James. I did a story on James back when he was an assistant here back in the day, and Coach Doyle was had glowing things to say about him, and I think he would obviously be a, uh, a strong candidate uh, should he want to do that when uh, Coach Doyle decides to run off. But again, I'm not sure how old James is. He's obviously older than the other two guys that I mentioned, uh, but he would be a possibility there. So three names for you, Raymond Braithwaite, Braithwaite uh, Mark Wiseman, and James Stopson, a couple uh, potential um, successors for Coach Doyle. Okay, I lost my spot here. Uh, Hawkeyes going wild asked, do you think – We'll bring back the Hawkeye tournament, the Hawkeye classic. Thank you. Well, Wild, it sounds like that's going to happen this next season because because Iowa doesn't ha- is not <laughs> has not joined an exempt tournament. We talked about this and wrote about this on the site. If people want to uh, see what uh, Coach Fran McCaffrey had to say like that, say about that. It looks like Iowa will host its own tournament this year. I would be surprised if that's a regular occurrence. However, I think Iowa will get back into the uh, exempt tournament rotation. Uh, still want to ask Coach McCaffrey kind of how they got left out of this process this year and, uh, you know, what they'll do in the future to get back. I think there's more to this story is what I'm trying to say and uh, hopefully can get some more answers down the road. Uh, SSC Kelly asks, is there any news out of the Garza camp? Okay, we, we had this question earlier. Um, I thought we had it on here as well. I think it was on Facebook, but uh, have you seen have seen NBA mock drafts that have go haven't seen any that have Garza going in the first round? I don't know what his criteria is. Um, yeah, I talked about this a little bit earlier, and I asked, I, I directly asked Luca this on the teleconference that the day he announced he was going to test the NBA draft process. Um, I had asked him. Um, you know, do you need to be told you're a first round pick? What are, you know, what type of guarantees do you need to have to leave, leave school, leave college, leave Iowa? Uh, and he said he would need a guaranteed roster spot. And that's pretty much a first round pick, unless you are one. Uh, they can tell you all, you, you know, what you want to hear. Hey, we'll take you in the second round and we'll make sure you have a roster spot. But uh, that is a tenuous situation. You don't know if that's the case. Uh, it's a business. So uh, a team certainly can draft you in the second round, tell you there's going to be a roster spot, bring you in when, when play resumes after the pandemic, don't like what they see, and uh, send you, uh, you know, have you pack your bags and leave town. So I still think Luca's coming back. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but I would be more surprised now if he leaves than if he stays. And I say this often, nothing shocks me in sports anymore because uh, there's – bizarre stuff that happens all the time so it certainly wouldn't shock me at this point if, if uh, Luca left but I would be pretty surprised I, I think you know his his vision of this process before uh, you know getting into it the NBA draft process was unless uh, he felt good about being able to you know have a guaranteed roster spot he was going to come back and try to win win something big for Iowa basketball. And I think that's kind of the track that he's on right now. I, I talked earlier about, you know, the chances of, uh, of him coming back and, uh, you know, the, what's going on here with, uh, you know, not being a combine and not being able to do personal workouts and things like that. I think all of that factors in and contributes to 
the reason why I feel like he's going to come back. So hopefully that answered the, the Garza questions. I wish I could answer more definitively, but an NBA draft process for a reason. He's going through the process. He's doing Zoom calls with teams. He's uh, getting gathering feedback and, and probably waiting a little bit to see kind of uh, what the NBA draft process is going to be like. Uh, you know, if they stick to the June 3rd uh, deadline for guys needing to state whether or not they're going to stay in the draft, uh, if they push the draft back, things like that. So stay tuned on all those fronts. But uh, again, I I feel like Luke is coming back um, from what I've been able to gather, but it's a, uh, it's a developing situation. It's fluid, as they like to say, as is this Hawkeye Nation mailbag podcast, which we have come to the conclusion of for another week here on Wednesday, May the 13th, 2020. Um, I appreciate everybody's questions once again. And uh, as I said a couple of times, I didn't know if this podcast would get off the ground, but it seems like we've, uh, we've done a good job of uh, keeping it rolling. And I plan to keep doing that as long as you guys have questions and I have an ability to answer them to my best, to the best of my ability. Uh, check out Hawkeye Nation. We've got, uh, I posted a opinion piece on uh, ranking the, the Big Ten football stadiums today. Yes, we are... Uh, we're running dry here a little bit when it comes to uh, fresh topics and, and content. So you may be seeing more uh, ranking columns from me throughout the rest of the month. Uh, recorded a prospect podcast today with Josh Bolt, which will, which will drop at some point this week to see the Rapid Xavier offensive lineman. Uh, posted a Hawkeye history podcast with Albert Young yesterday lining up somebody for next week on that. We're doing those weekly now. Check out Mondays. We do the uh, flagship podcast, the HN podcast with Andrew Downs uh, and myself. Um, We talked uh, a lot about, you know, the return of of, uh, college sports this week and some other uh, Iowa-based topics on that podcast. Um, So, yeah, we're, we're still flowing pretty regularly with content at Hawkeye Nation. Hope you guys check us out read the content, listen to the content, and uh, we appreciate everybody uh, for doing that. And hopefully continue to do that. And hopefully we're continuing to move towards live sports at some point again. Who knows when that will be. But thank you again for your questions and comments and uh, listening to the Mailbag Podcast. And we will talk to you again a week from now.